Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. It is officially time to begin one of my favorite exercises we do here at CR, a tradition that began last season, but one we hope to carry into each and every college tennis season moving forward. That, of course, is an exercise we refer to as NCAA Press Row, where I attempt to speak with each of the remaining 16 men's and women's head coaches prior to the start of the NCAA Tournament round of 16. Now, each of these conversations you'll hear over the next few days will be relatively similar in format. I want to talk to each of these coaches about their NCAA opening weekends, what allowed them to advance to this NCAA Sweet 16. Then I want to recap the season, where things stand. I want to talk about each team's best win of the year, the match they perhaps would like to replay the most from the course of the season. We'll talk about the team MVP, the most improved players that have made the success possible for all of these teams this season. Then, of course, I got to pick the coaches' brains about some big picture topics. I want to talk about the Super Regional format going to the top eight seeds for this round of 16 versus the traditional all-sweet 16 matches are played at one location format. What do these coaches prefer? Still very early in the exercise of determining if the Super Regional is worthwhile, but always fun to hear the coaches' initial reactions. And then, of course, we'll try to preview all of these Sweet 16 matches. I will try to coax as many match calculi as I I can from each of these coaches. What is their pathway to four points? How do they project their team's success moving forward throughout the NCAA tournament? We'll talk about all of that and so much more. Again, have a jam-packed week of content prepared for all of you listeners as we get all of you ready for the 2022 college tennis season's home stretch. Of course, you're going to be able to find each of these conversations both here on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed as well as on our website, CrackRackets.com. Of course, you will also hear the same intro outro on each of these podcasts. I do apologize for that fact. Just makes life a little bit easier, a little bit cleaner for both myself and super producer Daniel Westoff. But again, over the next five days, I will attempt to speak with each and every men's and women's head coach remaining in the 2022 Division I NCAA tournament. Of course, the reason we're able to do that here on the Cracked Interviews podcast is because of the support we get from all of you college tennis fans out there who have tuned in week in, week out. We are immensely grateful for that fact. Also, I have to give a huge shout out to our friends at Swing Vision, who, of course, are on the forefront of all artificial intelligence innovations happening within the tennis world. If you are a college tennis head coach listening to these podcasts, if you are a player, if you are someone with high-level tennis aspirations, download the Swing Vision app today. You'll have access to more data, more things to improve your tennis game than you ever had before, all within the palm of your hand in an app on your phone. So again, learn more about our friends at Swing Vision by clicking on the link in the description to this podcast. I promise all of you, it is the most efficient way to improve your game in the modern day. A huge thank you to our friends at Swing Vision. Use that promo code CRACK20 when you sign up. But again, appreciate all of their support for this show. With that said, again, press row coming up. Going to try and speak with each of the remaining 16 men's and women's head coaches before the start of the NCAA round of 16. With that in mind, let's get to this interview. Hey, crack fans. 
Before we get to today's show, I want to let all of you listeners know about the revolutionary work being done by our friends over at Swing Vision. Now, all of us as tennis players are constantly searching for that piece of information that's going to give us that one, two, three percent edge whenever we step onto the court. We want to know, am I hitting my forehand with enough depth? Am I accurately placing my backhands? Am I employing patterns on the court that are putting me in an optimum position to experience success? Thankfully, all of those questions can now be answered via the app produced by our friends at Swing Vision. Folks, it's extraordinarily simple. You're going to download the app. You're going to turn that app on your phone. You're going to put your phone on the back fence, the back curtain of whatever court you're playing on. You're going to hit record. And then using artificial intelligence, Swing Vision is going to break down your performance. If you click on the link that you find in the podcast description here on today's episode, you'll go right to the Swing Vision website. And of of course, friends who use our Cracked Rackets promo code CRACK20 are going to get an additional $20 discount and a free 14-day pro trial on the Swing Vision app. Again, you use that promo code CRACK20, $20 discount, as well as a free 14-day pro trial. How do you find the link to get signed up? Just go back to your podcast feed. It's in the podcast description of this episode. You go to the Swing Vision website, you set up your account, you download the app, you get rocking and rolling, get all the information one location with our friends at Swing Vision. Joining us on the podcast once again today is a returning champion here on our Crack Racket Shows, a person all of you listeners can blame for all the nonsense that goes on here at Crack Rackets. Of course, a man you also know best as the head coach of the University of Michigan men's tennis team. Welcome back to the show, Coach Adam Steinberg. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. I love your introductions. Yeah, I just, you know, I'm looking to defer blame for as long as possible. So any coaches who are frustrated at me, blame the coach who gave me the confidence to do all these things. And that, of yeah. course, would be you. And look, right. I want to talk about the NCAA tournament. I want to talk about the round of 16. But I had the uh, the pleasure and privilege to be able to go to Madison to watch our Michigan Wolverines. I can't help it. Capture the 2022 Big Ten Tournament Championship first Big Ten tournament title in program history. We have to start there. What was that moment like for you and the guys? Yeah, amazing. You know, obviously um, something we felt was missing in our program. And uh, I mean, it was great to watch the guys put on those hats and T-shirts at the end meant everything to me. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, special moment, um, something that, I've thought about since the first day I arrived here in Michigan and um, so happy for this team, especially. It was cool, man, to yeah. see that. And um, it was, yeah, I mean, you know, those, you know, I, the guys, I always tell them, appreciate those moments. They don't come every year. And um, so very happy for them. Yeah, I feel as though the Nielsen Tennis Stadium, Tennis Center, although it is the home of the University of Wisconsin, I feel like it's our, you know, it's it's University of Michigan North. I think about all of the club tennis success we had there, which is far more important than the national indoor semifinals you guys sure. made there in 2020 or obviously winning the Big Ten championships there. But, you know, again, looking at your team throughout the course of the season and, you know, looking at the record, obviously the numbers are going to be gaudy anytime you put together a 24-3 campaign. 
do you feel as though your team is playing their best tennis at this portion of the season? Yeah, for sure. I, um, I do. That's what we've been gearing for since August, um, that we're playing our best now. And, and yeah, we feel that way. I know the guys feel that way. Um, it's, uh, this is what it's all about, right? That mm-hmm. that's what you're preparing for that, you know, on the double side and single side that we're playing our best now. And we feel that way. So it's a great feeling for sure. And coming off that win, obviously that helped a lot. Yeah. And to be able last weekend to earn four victories over both Western and Oklahoma, I know Oklahoma was down there, you know, without their top two players, yeah. but to win in the convincing fashion that you did, here, here's the thing. I remember back in 2018 when we reached, again, we slips out. Sorry, listeners. When we reached the NCAA Sweet 16, beating Notre Dame, Miles clinches on whatever court that was. And I just remember the joy the, you know, that you expressed, that the entire team expressed, not to be disrespectful to that Oklahoma team. But this felt more routine. This felt like you guys not only, you know, obviously accomplished something special, but that your group feels like they belong in the Sweet 16. Is that a fair assessment from afar? That is, but I can't believe you snuck in Miles' name. (laughs) He's going to be so happy. Uh, Yeah, I I wouldn't. No, I I mean, it was it was a. it was a similar. It was a similar feeling. I know for me personally, for sure. It, it, it just it doesn't feel routine when you're out there and fighting. And um, and we knew we you know we saw Oklahoma beat a really good Louisville team the day before, and um, especially at home, it was it was a very uh, it was a to me it was a very similar feeling. Um, going back in the locker room, the guys were so excited. Um, that we we knew that we were going to get a chance to play at home again and and getting through the weekend the way we did it was um you know a lot of this is new for our team so for us it's it's nothing routine about what we're doing it's um it's you know it's obviously things that we've been working for and striving for um but the guys uh appreciate it they really appreciate it um and i did and obviously benny did the effort they put in over the weekend it was it was great um and it was great seeing the people come out and support us and and playing at home it, it was a great weekend yeah, no doubt about that. And it, fun fact for you, I called my parents to say, hey, I'm coming home last weekend. And they go, oh, for Mother's Day? And I was like, yeah, that's why. And it was like, no, that is not why I'm coming home. I can tell you that in advance. But, you know, watching your t- watching your teams over the course of the years and talking to other coaches about the Michigan program and the culture that you have built – there is an energy, there is an enthusiasm, there is an intensity to the way Michigan men's tennis plays. Why is that the culture you teach? Why is that energy so fundamental, in your opinion, to having success in college tennis? Yeah, it's been a philosophy of mine for the last 30-something years (laughs) coaching, just to never apologize for being passionate about something you love and and showing that to, you know, to each other. And, and I've always felt that, you know, when, when you love something like these guys love tennis and love college tennis, that you're going to be passionate, you're going to give to each other and you're going to take an individual sport and make it a team sport as best you can. And, 
Um, I just feel that that's what gets the best out of these kids um, on and off the court. To me, the, the, how we do it, they become not only better tennis players, but better people. And that's what it's all about. So, um, you know, to, to see them not just give energy um, for themselves, but to play for something bigger than themselves is, is special. And it's, it's something I believe in my soul and always will. And, um, and, it, and it's, when it's right, it's a beautiful thing to watch. Um, I really feel that way. And, and it's something that we, we fight for every day. It's how we practice, how we play. And, um, and I know that the guys are, are, are proud of uh, the philosophy that we have. I had the chance to pop by a practice early in the season. You weren't there, but it was, and I, you know, I was still loud as ever. And I went over to the other side. Ronnie happened to be practicing, and I was like, "Is it always like this?" And she's like, "Alex, you got it on a calm day." I was like, "Adam's not here today. Is muted." And you know, obviously that energy. I love it. I think college what tennis. Is that? Fans, uh, yeah, exactly. You go, go make them run right now. Um, but you know, with that in mind, uh, you know, again, to get the players to buy in because it's a lot. There's no doubt about it, and it's not for everyone. That said, this season from Andre at number one, who is just enthusiastic in a way about tennis that even when he was having success last year, the year before, I don't remember that sort of passion all the way through to, you know, Patorn and John Yaffe and Ryan Fu. How am I wrong in saying this group has bought in to a degree and so comprehensively in a way maybe previous Michigan teams, I don't want to say they haven't, but just it does feel like there's a synergy amongst this group that they have fully bought into that culture. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, they they have. Um, it's taken some guys longer than others. It, it does sometimes. It's not something they're used to. Um, you know, they're not. You know, in junior tennis and especially coming from Europe or different places, they haven't. They're just not used to college sports and the camaraderie and pride and spirit that I think comes along with it all. And but this team, yeah, I mean, you're right on it. It's um, they have um, from we have 12 players and I feel like they all have gone in one direction. And it's the reason we've had the success we've had. And like I said, some, you know, it, sometimes it takes some guys a little bit longer to get used to. That's OK. Um, but the leaders on the team, when you have a Nick Beatty, Patrick Maloney and some of the older guys that really understand what we're trying to do, it's um and Styler, it's it makes life a lot easier for Benny and I. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. This team has bought in. They bought in Monday through Friday, not just on the weekends. And I feel it's biggest reason why we've had the year we've had. Yeah, and you know, I'm sure you've spent all season talking about Andre Styler. So I'm going to go a different pathway with you here. I want you know part of this series. I told you I had a set list of questions. I'm asking everyone who's the team MVP, who's the team most improved player. And I know early in the season we talked about Jacob Bickerstaff and the improvements that he made this year. And we can get back to Bick, I promise. But when I look at Patrick Maloney, who you know in my mind I remember him as the little freshman who wasn't six foot three, six foot four, and just has now worked his way into a form where, again, he beats Mate Votzel 6-4 in that uh, Big Ten championship. Mate Votzel, top 10 player in the country. 
And it wasn't a fluke. It wasn't one of those one-off results. Pat has taken his game, his energy level, or in my opinion, it just seems like he's hit another level this season. What have you seen from him in practice? What do you think has allowed him to go, you know, 15-2 and two overall in dual matches this year, primarily in the top three single spots? Yeah, I mean, Pat, I, you know, when we, rec- we recruited him, I really saw... I was hoping to see what we're seeing now. I, you know, he's has amazing skill with the racket. He's a unbelievable competitor Um, for him. Staying healthy is number one and most important, but um, Pat, we, I always believed, and I know Benny as well. We've always believed that he could play at this level um, and he just needed a chance and he's run with it. He's, he, you know, he, started off really well um, in the first part of the year and he just got going and, and he has such a big game. He's gotten stronger. Like you said, he's grown, he's gotten these, um, he needed to get bigger. We know that. Um, And um, it's, that has helped him a lot. Getting stronger has helped him. I think getting stronger physically has helped him mentally and, and I'm proud of him. He's he's become a great leader on the team. And I think that also has instilled a confidence in him um, that has gone into his tennis, that he feels this responsibility um, to not only um, be a great leader off the court, on the court, but lead with his game. And um, it's been cool to see, man. I, I, I love watching Pat play high up there and doing so well. It's it's fun. Nobody wants his team to win more than he does and loves Michigan. And, and so it's, it's great. There was nothing more enjoyable to me, and it was just a little nuanced moment. But there was Pat hit this ridiculous plus one forehand, and I looked at you after you after he hit it, and you just go, <laughs> and like I saw a little chuckle out of your face, like, oh my god, this kid is something else. And yeah, I mean, again, that's a testament to you, and you know, mostly Benny for the development, but to you guys as well and the work you have put in. And you know, again, looking across your team and. You mentioned it early in the season that you felt you had a special group on your hands. Is there a match you can turn to? Maybe it was a win. Maybe it was a loss that, you know, you view as an inflection point here this season. Yeah, I think there's two. Um, One was the Wake Forest. I can point to a loss. Mm -hmm. I think when we went to the kickoff and we didn't have Styler playing, he was hurt at that time. And we lost 4-3 in a deciding match against one of the best teams in the country. And, I think I remember um, Aunt Fenty said to me after the match, he's like, Steiny, we're going to be good. And he exactly what he said. And, and um, I think that gave a lot of confidence to the guys. Like we're on the road. Wake had a great crowd. They have a great team, obviously. And it came down to the last match, our best player, not even playing. And so I think that was one. And then, you know, one that was obvious, I'm sure to a lot of people and to us was going outdoors on spring break and beating a TCU right after they won the indoors and they were they were flying high. And, and that match obviously changed a lot. It, it created a lot of belief that we were starting to have. But I think that was one that put us over the top where, you know what, you know, we, we can compete with anybody. Um, so it was, I saw that in their eyes after that match that, Hey, let's go now, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and they followed it up, um, with, with a great regular season. So, Mm -hmm. and you mentioned that Wake Forest match and I want to be clear. 
I asked Bruce Burke about Micah Braswell, so I have to ask you this question as well. Certainly, you think back to that Wake Forest match. It came down to Maroney versus Gavin Young. This tells you I'm always watching, Coach, just so you know, uh, in that third set. And obviously, Gavin, you know, he's been dealing with an injury. I mean, even beyond – I mean, I guess, A, let's just start there. Are we going to get to see Gavin this weekend at all? Oh, bad question. <laughs> bad question. Yeah, fair. We're not gonna, yeah. I don't know what you've heard from everyone else, but I'm not going to talk about injuries here. But um, obviously, we're trying everything to – it's a long year, so we're, we're trying to get – you know, a lot of guys are dealing with stuff just like every team. But um, so we're uh, – fighting to put the best team out there. I'm so politically correct today. No, that's a fair <laughs> answer. And for the record, Bruce gave me something similar. I just can't have listeners thinking, well, you asked Bruce about Micah. You're not going to ask right. Coach about, you know, Gavin. And I don't really care yeah. what the answer is. I don't want them to know. I, I was going to cut it no matter what you said. But now at least <laughs> I've asked, the, or quack it out. But, you know, to have the depth that you do and to be able to have Nino come in, and he's 13-1 and one in singles and dual match play this season. Obviously, Beatty's 13-3 and three as well. Gavin, 14-3. and three. Bickerstaff. 17 and two, how valuable has that depth been? And again, talk to me about the progress of all of those guys this season. Yeah, it's, a, it's, I told the guys in September in our first meeting that that's the strength of our team. And to me, that's what college tennis is all about. I mean, nowadays the depth is so, so important, um, especially with everything going on, as you know, in the world and different things happen to teams and, it's um, and be, uh, besides that, injuries occur, as you know, and, and for us, that's our strength, with, without a doubt. Um, we're we're so lucky that Nick Beattie wanted to stay longer and and keep playing with us. And and guys are going to, you know, looking forward to coming back for fifth years. Um, that's it's it's it helps so much. And, you know, you, you bring in a Nino, like you said, and a Nick Beattie and you don't really miss a beat. Um, you know, so I think that was, I should have said no punt, right? On that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought I would say as a dad joke, but, um, <laughs> um, but that's the biggest, uh, thing for us. And on the double side and the single side, that's we, that, and the guys feel it like they, it's, you know, when I, I hear coaches all the time and other sports basketball, phone, next man up, next man up. And, and, we really live that. And the guys, they don't, they don't, um, you know, freak out if, if somebody can't go one day, we know we have a lot of guys that can play. So it's, it's a, it's a great feeling for Benny and I, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. And you talk about, again, some people coming back next year. Obviously I want to ask you about the sweet 16 and the match coming up, but yeah. to your point, Everyone but Beattie is going to be back on next year's roster. And obviously, we're focused on the here and now. This is a team good enough to do do whatever it w is capable of doing here in 2022. Have you and Benny had that perspective, though, this year as you're coaching that we're not only coaching for 2022, but we're coaching this group for the future as well? I'm curious, you know, how you've balanced those two things. Yeah, no, I um, we have three seniors that mean yeah. a lot to this program with Ryan Food, Jonathan Yaffe, and BD. They they've added so much, to be honest. Not not just BD. I mean, these guys have added a ton to our program. Um, it's worth noting Yaffe has been the volunteer assistant for the majority of this season. <laughs> yeah, He's been doing a job. Much. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, they they they're really special guys that and. When you ask me about buying in, I mean, these guys 
buy in and add so much. So they're, they're going to be missed a lot. Um, but no, we're, we for sure. I mean, especially with the freshmen, we're, we're constantly looking, to, you know, in the big picture with the Will Cooksies and Patorn and Alex Ederbauer and, and the younger guys. We're always looking, um, you know, in the big picture and working with them as much as we can, even though they're not getting a lot of playing time now. But they're the future of Michigan tennis. So um, without a doubt, we're we're looking always to um, like down the road. Hey, you guys need to step in like Jacob did this year, like, you know, like BD, it took him a little while and then he stepped in. And so I think every coach in the country, I feels that way that you're not just, you're not just coaching for today. That that's, it's never that way. Has Patorn ever made an unforced error in practice? Because <laughs> like, talk about the perfect practice partner. Guy's a machine. Yeah. He's a machine. He yeah. hits down the line too much, but he's, he's a machine <laughs> for sure. So, um, but no, the guys, uh, they love hitting with him for Mm -hmm. sure. He's the first guy they ask to warm up with. Gives you the perfect ball. I would be, I would be by, you know, personal request. I'm sure BD's like, no, 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 I get Patorn. Sorry, everyone. Like he's <laughs> yeah. mine today. And yeah, no, I mean, again, uh, to see everyone's continued development throughout the course of the season has been so fun for us Michigan fans from afar. Now I know I'm putting you on the spot here, although I, I'm sure at some point there will be a, an award banquet if it hasn't already happened. Who would you say from the start of the season is the most improved player on the Michigan roster? Most improved? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a... That's a tough one. You know, I, you know, I, I, with, uh, Jacob and Pat, um, those guys have improved so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel it's tough. I, I know I'm not giving you the answer you want, <laughs> No, this um, is good. you know, but they, it'd be a tight race. I tell you, and Nino has improved a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, it was tough for him coming in in January and, you know, and, with COVID and everything was very hard um, until he got comfortable and he's improved a lot. I know it's a horrible answer, but um, you know, the improvement and development of those guys have pushed us to where, where we are right now for sure. So I, you know, if I had to give one award, that would be a tough one. I'd have to, um, you, me and Benny can sit down and we could vote. Uh, so all I'm saying is if you need a tie-breaking vote, you have need my number. a tie-breaking vote. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, I think you know we me. would. I think yeah. we would. But um, they're very deserving. And I know that's, like I said, not the answer you want. But I, um, we're proud of how much they've improved and how comfortable. Like Jacob has become so comfortable in the dual match setting, which he wasn't his freshman year at all. And, and that just from that was a massive improvement for him, for sure. Has he, has he ever missed a bump lob? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, don't give him a big head, Jake. Yeah. You got to keep him. Yeah. Yeah, I know. should say a forehand bump lob. Backhand you got to keep work. him grounded. Yeah, no. I mean again, I will yeah, agreed. Yeah, Jake, keep working. Come on. Why are you hitting yeah, yeah, bump yeah, lobs? Yeah. Get to the ball and swing through it. Um but with that in mind, obviously talking about swinging through the ball, I do have to ask a question about Andre Styler because he was he's always been good. He's always had that gear. He's always had the weapons. He's taken that next step this season. He's become, as we refer to on our show, one of the guys, it feels like, in college tennis. And, you know, the results say as much. 14-1 and this season at the number one spot. Watching he and Cannon play in that Big Ten championship, that was an ATP-level match. That was just as good as it gets. I mean, I know he starts off the season without a wrist, but for him to take the strides that he has, what has allowed Andre to make this jump, which is arguably the most difficult jump to make in college tennis? 
Uh, that's a great question. I, I, he, he's one of the most skilled players to me in college tennis. He, he has it all. Um, Benny always says whenever he plays, like watching a pro warm up the way he hits and how he strikes the ball. And um, the one thing for Andre is he has to be having fun out there and enjoying. And, you know, with the injury, sometimes that took away his enjoyment. Um, but he, you know, he, he has really worked hard on his wrist injuries and he's, you know, he's, he's definitely felt better the last half of the season and the guy loves the dual match. He just loves it. He's, um, he's bought in when you asked me earlier about buying in, I, that that's what changed everything for him. Um, when he started buying into, to our philosophy of how we compete and how we play and, um, when that happened, everything changed for him. And he, he has so much fun out there and it brings out the best in his tennis. And he has such a big game that when he's loose and confident and he's, he's a really tough out, that's for sure. Um, so, you know, I'm really happy for him. He, he's such a great guy. And um, like I said, he, you said it before, his enthusiasm, at, you know, in these matches are, are really fun to watch so and i the results have followed so it's, it's cool him or fantaslow one match on the line who you taking him or sebastian yeah oh man that's a great one that's a <laughs> that's a five in the third because battle. watching fantaslow beat jameer jenkins in that yeah. 2012 semifinal that's one of the best performances i've ever seen yeah he played unreal um, I'll never forget that match, but Seb, um, yeah, that would be a great match. Actually, I never thought of that matchup. That'd be a good one. Yeah, I can't help it. Again, too much time yeah. on my hands, as you can indoors, imagine. Indoors or outdoors would be different, though. Be, yeah, uh, outdoors, I lean Seb. Indoors, <laughs> I'll take Andre. Uh, since you can't, yeah, since you can't say it, but you know, there's. Okay. Yeah, um, but no, again, with all of that in mind, obviously, Sweet 16 coming up. You're taking on a University of Texas team that brings back a nucleus that was in the NCAA semifinals last year. Before I talk about the matchup specifically, big picture, Sweet 16 super regional format we have this year or the massive Sweet 16 one site? Which do you prefer? Yeah, it's going to sound pretty biased. I mean, at first, I I remember when – they first started discussing this format. I was really against it. I, I love the sweet, you know, the sweet 16 format, everybody there at once. I, um, and then even last year, and then when we first did it, um, and we weren't in it, I, I, I thought it was really cool that these teams were having these matches on their home courts and they can really promote it and get the crowds out and, and just the logistical part of the final eight now, I think, works better in our sport where it's not four matches for some of these teams going into an individual part. I feel like now we can play more on the weekend and um, just for fans, I think it's better. Just all of that. I, I'm I'm all for it now. And um, I did say this before we uh, um, a couple of years ago, I, I changed my mind on it. And I, I think it I think it's a great change. I, I do wish they called it the Sweet 16, though, and not the Super Regional. I wish we would change that um, to make it more like basketball. I think it would be sure. great. People would understand it more. Um, but I um, I love it. I mean, I was looking to, like, yesterday I was looking at all the matchups and everyone, <laughs> you know, playing on their home courts. And I think it's, I think it's really special. And, and 
I like the change we've made. This is how you know I'm from the stymie tree because we call this our Sweet 16 press row because I agree with you. Yeah, for a branding purpose. Come on. But with that in mind, you know, obviously we're in Champaign this year and last year it was in Orlando. And we've talked about things similar like this before. Does college tennis need an Omaha, a place where every year fans know, teams know, hey, this is where we're descending upon for the NCAA tournament? This could take a half hour, this answer, Alex. <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, a thousand percent. I, I feel we need that. Um, I always loved, when I was in college, I remember everyone used to be like, hey, did you make it to Athens? Are you going to Athens? And it was always, you know, that they never said, are you going to the final six suites? Are you going to the final site? Are you going here? It was always like, you know, are you, are you going to Omaha? That's what we need. To me, uh, that's my opinion desperately, that we need one site. And, and wherever that is that we pick, it should be the same every year. I think that consistency is going to help our sport tremendously. Um, I'm not one that feels we should move it around like we do, just my opinion. And, and so we have like, you know, like, in, I guess in softball, Oklahoma City, right? Do I have that, you know, and yeah. we have Omaha and we have, and I just think that's, uh, would go a long way in um, selling our sport better than we do. And um, I would love to see that one day. I really I, would. Um, so that's, I have a strong opinion on that. Yeah. And hopefully we, we can get there. Would you be fine point. if it was Athens? Just like, I know because because of that because you have Orlando, which is obviously the mecca, um, and has the court space to be able to do it. I've been trying to just quietly sneak this in with every coach and say, well, you know, in Midland, there's 40 indoor courts and 24 mm-hmm. outdoors. So like Midland actually has the facility to do it. Midland, Michigan, of course. But does it have to be neutral? Or you talk about again Athens? Yeah, it's great for Georgia, but there that is where the history is. No, it is. And, and Georgia's, uh, it's amazing there. Um, it always was, but I, you know, wherever I just, mm-hmm. you know, for me, uh, you know, I, I think Orlando's great, the home of, you know, um, obviously American tennis now, and, and they have the infrastructure and the courts and the setup. I think it's great, but wherever we decide, you know, and, and I don't make that decision. I, I wish I could, but um they, um, I just feel we need to pick one site and that's where our um, final eight's going to be year in, year out. That's, that's my opinion on it. And, and people can plan around that um, every year. And, uh, you know, does it have to be neutral? You know, that's something that, that needs to be discussed. But I, I would love to see a, um, like I said, I know I'm repeating myself, but one site um, every year would be great. Yeah, I tend to lean that way as well for whatever it's worth. But again, with all of that in mind, Sweet 16 coming up this weekend. You guys are taking on the University of Texas. What's it going to take from the guys this weekend to get the job done? Yeah, I mean, it's um, for us, uh, you know, that I, I, that belief, um, I think, uh, is really, really important when they walk on the court and just – you know, our philosophy is to be the best teammate you can be and and just let that shine now when, when you get to this point of the season. And that that's what it's going to take. Just, you know, being a great teammate out there uh, and be consistent with that. And it's, um, 
you know, it's something we talk about daily. So that hasn't changed. Um, I just don't think you, you really have, you don't have to play amazing tennis. I don't think anyone has to around the country. Um, but you know, but it's going to take a great effort. I mean, Texas and I'm there, they have a great team. They, you know, a lot of those guys played in the final four last year. They're, um, they have a great program always have. So we're excited to get a university of Texas. What a great day to, you know, to have, you know, a school like that come here and play us. Um, but for us, we need to, um, be us, if that makes sense mm-hmm. and not let the moment get too big and just, you know, do what we've done all year and just, you know, play the Michigan way. So yeah, it doesn't, go, it doesn't get more than that. I love it. And yeah, there's a little revenge in mind. Obviously, the Michigan women go down to Austin last weekend and Texas has already advanced to the Elite Eight. They're defending champs. That match was what it was, but no one beats Michigan twice in (laughs) one season. And so obviously, Coach, immensely grateful for you tolerating all of my nonsense throughout the course of the years. And uh, I am looking forward. I will be in Ann Arbor tomorrow. The bucket hat will be on. Crack rackets out. Michigan fandom in. It's going to be my last partisan match of the year. I'm excited for it, Coach. So as always, I appreciate you taking the time and obviously go blue. Wishing you all luck tomorrow. Thanks, Alex. I can't wait to see you, man. Go blue. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with another head coach of a Sweet 16-bound college tennis team. A huge thank you both to this coach and every coach for taking the time to chat with us here at Cracked Rackets. Again, trying to set the scene for all of you listeners down the 2022 college tennis season's home stretch. I've been immensely flattered by the reception we have gotten from all of these coaches who are so willing to participate in this exercise. And again, try to set the scene. For all of you listeners, try to make sure you maximize your enjoyment through these final few weeks of the college tennis season. The plan here is to interview all 32 remaining head coaches. Now, it's only a success if we hit all 32. So I promise you, listeners, that will be our goal, as that is what we were able to accomplish last season. Again, you can find all of those podcasts here on this feed. You can find them on our website, crackrackets.com. A shout out, as always, to super producer Daniel Westoff on the ones and twos. He has a f- of an editing job to do this week, makes all of this content possible. So shout out to him. Shout out to our friends at Swing Vision as well. Again, learn more about the Swing Vision app by clicking on the link in the description to this show. With all of that said, for our fantastic guest, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Swing Vision, from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>